Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a Pancreas Pal to turn to. Hello, and welcome to Pancreas Pals. I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. And I'm Emily, a writer and editor. We're just two type 1 diabetic ladies trying to live our best lives. It's not always easy with the literal highs and lows, but it does help to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Hey guys, Emily here. And Miriam, and we're really excited to be recording again this week. Uh, we recently spoke at Sarah Lawrence for their College Diabetes Network Club, and Woo-hoo! it kind of sparked some excitement of what we should talk about this week. So, But I guess before, do you want to like reflect at all on the speaking engagement we had, Emily? I love to reflect. It's one of my favorite things, um, <laughs> also known as deflecting, which is very different, but I do that at times as well. Everything's fine. Um, I <laughs> loved it. There's so many amazing pals out there around the world, so many great yes. people that we got to meet, and just so many impressive young adults. Um, I know that sounds very condescending, as I'm only 25, so I'm really only like seven years older than these kids, and they probably don't want me to call them kids, so I hate myself, but... It's so wild to me, the different perspectives every person has with a chronic illness. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I think that was my biggest takeaway. And um, I know we definitely had a lot of really good similar uh, takeaways from some of the the people in attendance. But thanks for everyone who joined into our Instagram live. Apologies that we didn't get to put it up after the live. We had some technical difficulties. Names won't be named. (laughs) I love my twin sister. Everything's fine. Um, But we had one really good idea, which is Miriam's, as per usual, that came out of the whole the whole little talk situation, and that was the idea of toxic positivity. So I'll let you speak on that a bit, Miriam. Yeah. Not that you need my permission, SOS. (laughs) No, but something that had been making the rounds kind of like in the the mental health world, and I think a lot of it is actually stemmed from Instagram and social media and how that affects our mindsets about things, but it's this concept of toxic positivity. Um, And I actually have been seeing this post on my Instagram feed a lot. Um, It might just be the nature of who I happen to follow on Instagram, but it was this little like tea chart about phrases that can offer validation and hope and phrases that are really just toxic positivity. And so maybe you've seen this on Instagram, or maybe you're thinking, like, what the heck is toxic positivity? So in a nutshell, it's this idea that people should be happy and positive and look on the bright side and not, like, harp on anything negative. But the idea is, like, being this way all the time is actually more harmful than helpful. You need to acknowledge those negative feelings, and you need to give those negative feelings somewhere to go. So when people say things to you like, you'll get over it, just be positive, good vibes only, don't be negative. It's very, um, it's a lot of things. It's belittling, it's, you know, invalidating. It just shuts off any conversation about the feelings. And if someone is saying something like this to you, you know, what's there to do next? You just kind of say like, okay, you're right, everything's fine. But what is that doing My for you in the long run? And I, but I think what's interesting about this, you know, obviously this affects everyone. This is by no means unique to the type one community. But what struck 
me about toxic positivities, I think type one diabetics and probably anyone with chronic illness provides a, you know, or kind of uses a lot of toxic, toxic positivity. I don't know why that's so hard to say. It is kind of hard um, to say. I think it's all the consonants in like the, a, the phrase. You're right. You're doing, <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing great. But I think type one diabetics have a way of using toxic positivity to kind of talk to yourself that that self-talk where you'll say like whatever everything's fine or ugh, this blood sugar sucks but gotta keep going and I think we have a bad way of just pushing through this negativity instead of giving it a place to air out a bit and I, I mentioned this you know briefly at the talk we had at Sarah Lawrence and I think it resonated on our ride back to Manhattan after the the speaking engagement we had a, a little discussion about this so it felt like a good place to start with today. I mean, I think it's such an important aspect of mental health and how we handle our chronic illnesses. Um, but I do think it's especially, it especially pertains to type one diabetics in a sense where I resonated with it because I know I find myself constantly trying to reassure everyone around me that I'm fine. And it's, it comes like a little par for the course when it's a disease that people have, whether misguided notions or they're not fully educated on the specific type, or maybe they just see needles and freak out and think that everyone's mm-hmm. dying. There's so many different things um, that go along with this disease that are totally normal and not life-threatening, but then there are plenty of things that are actually life-threatening at times. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to compartmentalize, at least for me, um, in relaying it to other people, what is worth freaking out and what is worth not freaking out. And I think my Mm -hmm. go-to mental space is to just assure everyone I'm fine. And if I assure everyone I'm fine, then I'll believe that I'm fine as well. And I mean, don't get it twisted. This is definitely something that I work on in therapy and that I work on with, uh, my friends, whether I abuse Miriam as a friend in terms of therapy, that's neither here nor there. But um, I I really found that this resonated with me in terms of just constant. I, I can't tell you how many times, and I've only had this disease for almost five years, how many times I'm reassuring everyone around me when I'm scared that I'm not fine, that I am completely fine. Whether mm-hmm. it be my parents, because they're not wholly, you know, like, it's not this isn't a fault thing, but I was diagnosed when I was 20 years old. So they don't know fully what I'm going through on the day to day because I don't live with them and I haven't lived with them since I was like 18. So why would they? Um, they're fully aware of the fact that I'm on top of it and that they're doing their best to learn about the disease. They've taken to it like moths to a flame, if you will, trying to educate themselves, which is amazing. But at the end of the day, unless you're actually the person with the disease, you don't, Mm -hmm. you'll never fully understand what's going on. So I definitely succumb to possible. It is really hard to say toxic positivity (laughs) all the time. We should give it an act like tox pause or something. TP, but not toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. But I mean, it definitely, I, the minute you said it, I was like, oh my God, I didn't even realize it's something I do and some, a trope I play into because it's just so ingrained in the way that we view this disease as a society. Mm -hmm. No one wants to sit there and be like, this is so hard, everyone. I don't know what I'm doing. I think I'm going to die or I think I'm going to have a panic attack or I think I don't even have any feelings about it. Like, Mm -hmm. just so much. And for you as a licensed mental health counselor, I feel like you're so woke with it. So I'm really excited to see or hear what you have to say. Yeah. Well, listen, it comes up a lot. And I think, like, even personally, I have always, my whole diabetic life, I've struggled with wanting others 
to really understand how hard diabetes can be at times, but I also don't want them to like be coddling me and over dramatizing everything either. So right. it's like striking this balance of like I want them to know I can be normal and do normal things and it doesn't get in my way. But then if they're kind of too um can't think of the word like blase about it, if they're too like, oh whatever, she's fine. That also really irks me because it is serious, like you said. So it is this really delicate balance that I think we all are navigating that balance on our own. So to expect others to navigate that too, it's it's hard. Um, and a sure. lot of times when people are giving you these comments like, good, vibe, good vibes only, keep going, like never give up, they're doing it not to really motivate you so much, but to make themselves feel more comfortable. It is really hard for people to deal with other people's sadness or other people's struggles. Um, this is something that comes up a lot in like grief counseling too. If, if someone has passed or died and they're trying to support you as the, the mourner or the bereaved, a lot of times they'll say things that are more comfortable, make them more comfortable as your friend rather than actually making you feel better because it's really hard to sit in that negativity. It really but, is. Research shows that this, that accepting and not rejecting these, this negative emotions can help us better diffuse them over time. Um, so by always like pushing this negativity away, it just kind of sits there. Um, and it struck me, it's something that comes up in therapy with clients a lot, but actually Emily's friends brought this up to me and I was like, this is amazing, but... <laughs> I think people feel like you aren't, you don't have the right to be sad about things because other people might be worse off or other people might be, you know, have more struggles than you. And I think as type 1 diabetics, this comes up because you say, oh, I have diabetes, but at least I don't have cancer. At least I don't have X, I literally y, and say Z. that so much. So much. But would anyone ever say to you or would you ever say to yourself like, well, I don't, I can't be happy because this person is so much happier than I am. Like, no, that's ridiculous. You know, you can be happy even if there's happier people than you. So why can't you be sad even if there's sadder people than you? And I can't take credit for this concept because Emily's friend um, said this to me, but it's so true. And I think allowing ourselves to acknowledge that diabetes sucks even if it's not the worst thing out there it's certainly not the best <laughs> um and there's something really freeing about just saying that out loud and being like wow yeah i don't have to pretend everything's fine and everything's good all the time this really sucks um and it lets you kind of move through the emotions instead of just pushing them to the side yeah i mean I have really smart friends. I don't really know what to say. Like, shout out to all, all the people who are my friends. You rock to never change. Um, I'm, like, partially joking, but, like, not at all. Um, <laughs> I It's so true. And, I mean, she was saying that for, for personal reasons that had to do with uh, some trauma that happened in her family. But it's, you know, I'm every time something happens, I compare my situation to someone else's. And that at the end of the day is what's toxic. We shouldn't be comparing anything to anyone else. Mm -mm. While it might sometimes feel healthy and good to do that. Like, well, at least I'm not as bad off as that person. It's like, I mean, obviously that's not how people are, or I hope that's not how someone else is thinking, but we've all been there, I guess. SOS now I'm spiraling. But basically what (laughs) I'm trying to say is it's, it's not, it's not a, 
conducive thought it's not a thought that's conducive to a healthy train of thought and instead of wasting our time you know going on instagram and seeing how other people are doing um let's say i saw someone had a 5.4 a1c and i'm like holy fucking shit how do i do that like i'm Mm -hmm. then i beat up on myself about a1c and like for those who are listening that are pancreatically capable and a1c is the average three-month average blood glucose so it's basically like how doctors indicate your management of type 1 diabetes is or of any form of diabetes is and it's very hard to manage an a1c anyone who's listening to this who has diabetes you know literally anything can set off your blood sugar especially if you're a woman who gets her period every month and struggles i won't go into that but yeah the the power that that number has over us too it's this literal report card we're given that only tells part of the story and yeah, that number is very emotionally fueled. So what, what's I agree, wild seeing that to me, all over Instagram is tough. Yeah, and what's wild to me is like you don't see people posting their weight all over Instagram. No, and it's very it's a very similar concept. Like one, there's a healthy range for both, but mm-hmm. you don't see someone posting like, oh my god, like I'm I'm 300 pounds, or like oh my god, I'm so excited to be 120. Like yes, yeah, sometimes people post that, but it's like a little less accepted within societal norms. But for some reason within our little diabetes bubble or big diabetes bubble, it's totally accepted to share A1Cs and compare blood glucose and things like that, where it just kind of set, I don't know about any of the listeners, but sometimes that sets me off on a, on a bad path. And it's a disease that we should like that you're constantly having to be aware of Mm -hmm. um, that. We just don't need any negativity, but also we need, I mean, we don't need that added negativity, but we need realness. And so when I see someone's amazing A1C, it makes me want to post, regardless of what my A1C really is, it makes me Mm want to do the opposite and be like, this is real. Like, I will definitely post my Dexcom graph where I, you know, if I'm like 300, I'm like, send help. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's like, that's the right thing to do is you're not giving into this idea of like, oh, I'll work hard and that'll be me too. You're acknowledging the struggle and that this isn't so easy and you're showing the other side and I think that's like the healthy emotional way to manage these sorts of things um we to, try really you know hard. to kind of like go back to the toxic positivity aspect because I have this little and there's this little image just like infograph sort of that we'll post on the Instagram later on um gets that's kind of spurred the topic of this podcast but what are some things you can say that aren't toxically positive that are actually more motivating and validating so instead of saying someone someone saying like just be positive the validating phrase would be i know there's a lot that could go wrong but what could go right or saying good vibes only you can say all vibes welcome Stop, you know, someone saying, stop being so negative. You can say, well, it's pretty normal to have some negativity in this situation. So it's just, you know, these really minor changes that they're not meant to be. I I can't think of the word, but it's just these minor changes in the way you say something or the way you speak about something. It gives people more room to have a full range of emotions versus just saying, like, that emotion makes me uncomfortable. So be more positive, you know? Yes, and I also think that this kind of brings us to, like, a whole different, larger issue, um, which we don't necessarily need to get into, but it's something I definitely want to touch upon, is Mm -hmm. uh, us taking on other people's problems, like, as a whole. Mm -hmm. There, You know, everyone goes through 
their own ups and downs with mental health and everyone goes through their own ups and downs in life, just like everyone goes through ups and downs in blood sugars. But sometimes we need to draw a line in terms of what we're capable of taking on in terms of the negativity or the toxic positivity in terms of helping friends. And I think the biggest thing that we can take away, this is something that I guess isn't fully related, but it's something that I really wanted to stress during our talk at Sarah Lawrence is that you, I mean, like I'm a big believer in being there for your friends and being there for your loved ones, but knowing when to say, I can't help you with this. You need to seek professional help. Mm -hmm. And that can be seen all across social media as well. And like, I feel like a lot of times certain things are cries for help and there's no, I mean, like I do not recommend you reaching out to someone, a stranger on Instagram being like, Hey, you should try out therapy. But I do recommend (laughs) if you have friends hitting you up constantly with negative rhetoric or, you know, false positive rhetoric, then maybe say, Hey, like I am here for you within these terms, but I am not equipped to be your, you know, like I'm not equipped to give you the level of care that you probably should be seeking from a license, from someone with Mm -hmm. a license. And I think that like for a lot of my friends, when we realize that we can't be there for the person on the level that they need, it's kind of like one of those adult wake up calls. It's like, okay, like I actually would probably benefit from therapy and I can't put my problems on someone else, but I can lean on someone else. And it's totally acceptable to lean on someone Mm -hmm. and, and request that type of relationship and, you know, vice versa. But I think in terms of realizing like what is a healthy way to approach something and what isn't a lot of times it takes a lot of therapy to realize that. So that's my tangent. No, but I think it's, I mean, I think what it all comes down to is boundaries. You need boundaries for yourself about what you can absorb and what you are giving to others. Um, And, you know, we all have boundaries. Our our friends, if, if we're the ones leaning on our friends, they are limited in what they can offer us, like you said. And likewise, we're limited in what we can offer them. Uh, there's only so much... Not that your friend can't give you support, but it's, like you said, it's a different type of support than you'd be getting from a licensed professional who's unbiased, kind of their only role with you is to be there for you versus a friend. Even if it's the best friend in the world, there's going to be these subconscious, you know, ulterior motives in some sense. Their their goal is to get you to feel as good as you possibly can, um, you know, which leads back into that toxic positivity Whereas a therapist or a psychologist might be more focused on, okay, if this is what you're dealing with, let's explore the root why of the this problem. is a problem. And a, exactly. Why yeah. is this a problem? Is it the actual content of what's going on? Is it the, the way you're responding to what's going on? You know, I think you're just going to get a different type of experience. So both things are important. Your friends are there for a reason. But I think just understanding, unless they are the most, like, woke self-aware friend ever they're, <laughs> they're gonna it's gonna be a different type of support that you're getting um even if they are the okay. mo- most woke it's like yeah. everyone's dealing with their own stuff and at the exactly. end of the day sometimes people just don't have the bandwidth to take on someone else's stuff in the capacity that they need and that doesn't Absolutely. make anyone any less of a human it's or a human of a good friend or a human I mean you know whatevs but mm-hmm. it's I think it's so interesting because I feel like a lot of people deal with a form of toxic positivity when they're seeking validation or help from a mm-hmm. friend because that's mm-hmm. all we as you know normal people who aren't licensed mental health or you know work in some kind of social work capacity 
deal with. Like, that's the only thing that I know how to give my friends is a positive outlook because I don't know how mm-hmm. to tap into their deep recesses of their minds and find out why their parents messed them up. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's which, you know, is what therapy is for. Uh, but it's it's something that I find do actually go hand in hand and I wasn't able to voice that at the beginning of this but you expertly explained it so thank you Miriam oh my gosh as per you but I think it's a good like I'm even thinking of my personal experiences I work as a therapist so if I have a long day of like a bunch of clients certain days days might be more draining as other I cannot speak today I'm sorry certain days are more draining than others so if I have let's say, you know, five clients in a row that have had really rough weeks and I can be there, be present for them, be that kind of holding space for those emotions. But then if I come home and let's say my husband also had a really bad day and he's telling me about his bad day, I am emotionally like, I've hit my limit to some sense. There's only so many other emotions I can handle besides myself. So I have to tell him, listen, I've, I don't have the capacity for this right now. Give me half an hour and then we can talk about it. And that's something I'm working on. I think I could probably voice that more nicely at times because <laughs> in the heat of the moment, I'm like, oh my God, I need a moment. But, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm a work in progress. But I think it's just acknowledging your own emotions and realizing giving them space because I could have very easily been overwhelmed and bogged down and I could have said whatever it's fine it's fine let me be here for him now kind of feeding into that toxic positivity again but that's not real and eventually you just explode with all of these emotions you know I think to think of it as like I I think immediately of two metaphors I think of the human brain as like the cloud and having only a certain amount of storage and once you've reached your capacity (laughs) you got to buy 30 minutes (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then come back to it or buy 30 days if you need it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I also think of helping others as, you know, like when you're on the airplane and, you know, in case of emergency, Mm -hmm. if you lose cabin pressure, put on your air mask before putting on the person next to you or or helping a child or a friend or whatever, because you can't help someone else until you help yourself. You're going to do no one any help if you're constantly having panic attacks or if you're over exceeding your bandwidth for, you know, emotional support, you can't help anyone else if you're freaking out and for sure like that I think is also a big a big thing that people with chronic illnesses have to deal with and Mm -hmm. it's a little bit unspoken because we're constantly trying to lift ourselves up but Mm -hmm. I mean it this could just be a personality flaw of mine but I'm always trying to lift other people up and I'm like yikes I'm tired like I reached a time when I turned Mm -hmm. literally this year like a month ago I turned 25 and I was like I love all of my friends but I gotta have some leftover positivity for me and Mm -hmm. it you know it's one of those things that you just realize that you got to give as much as you take and I was just giving 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 oh my god I sound like Mm -hmm. I'm such an amazing person I'm really not I'm sure I was taking from a number of people and I just didn't realize it but it's it's interesting you know I always say you can't water a plant from an empty pot you need to have like yourself taken care of before you can take care of others. I tell that to clients all the time because this is such a universal experience. I think a lot of us do that. We just kind of, you know, externally put all of our energy and not giving ourselves enough internal energy. Yes. But I actually just came across a quote, another metaphor, because obviously, but I think (laughs) it kind of touches on all of this well. It's a good metaphor. And this is from this, let's see, 
uh, a psychologist, Dr. Noam Spencer, he wrote an article in Psychology Today. Uh, but he said, the quote is, swimmers are caught in an undertow and feel themselves being dragged out to sea. They often panic and begin to swim against the current with all their might. Often they fatigue, cramp, and drown. To survive, such a swimmer should do the opposite. Let go. Let the current take him out to sea. Within a few hundred yards, the current will weaken and the swimmer can then swim around and back to shore. The same goes with powerful emotions. Pushing against them is futile and possibly dangerous. But if you accept the emotion, it'll run its course and then allow you to run yours. Oh, beautiful. Right? I love stuff like that because I think it just is a perfect, it makes it easier to visualize and understand these concepts. Um, And that's just kind of touching on that. Like, don't fight against these negative emotions what or it could be anger sadness depression it could be anything but the more you fight against them and try to avoid them and ignore them the more turmoil turmoil they will cause um 100 yeah. percent. and if you feel like you're having more than is normal or healthy seek help <laughs> absolutely so yeah i guess that can lead into like what do you do with this what do you do with this toxic positivity and how do you fix it um you shut it down you shut it down you kind of learn you learn to identify when toxic positivity is coming into your life so when you hear these phrases that are quickly shutting off your any negativity i think even just being aware like oh this is some toxic positivity there's more behind that um whether we hear it from others or we hear it from ourselves um being aware of it helps too like again we're huge proponents of going to therapy where we make no like we're very biased about it so we can't can't be totally neutral but we both (laughs) think it's like a huge a huge asset to have in your life hundo p um but three if i'm on three i can't i lost count it's okay three i think something i talked about when we were at sarah lawrence but Throw yourself a pity party. And I say that with tongue-in-cheek, but it's true. And I've probably said it on this podcast before. But giving yourself time and space to just do whatever lets out those feelings, whether it's crying or screaming or just saying, like, this really sucks, give yourself time to do that. And you can invite whoever you want to your pity party. You can bring food and drinks, like, honestly, whatever you want to do. But give yourself that space and that time but then give yourself a time limit. Um, and I think that's where, you know, there's, it's like a pendulum. It can go strongly one way or the other. We certainly want to, don't want to be overly positive, positive and overly toxic about these things, but we don't want to fully give in to the negativity either. Cause you can easily get bogged down. So I think just finding that delicate balance of acknowledging the negative, giving it space to breathe and space to come out but then putting yourself back on the track of, again, not overly positive, but just putting yourself on the track of, okay, this sucks, but I'm going to try to find some some way to get through this, or I'm going to figure out what helps me feel better, and move on with your life, and acknowledge that, like, I'll probably have some negative moments again. You know, it's not foolproof, but It's cool to have human emotions sometimes. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that's what that also reminds me of what toxic positivity is doing. It's setting this idea that normal or good is being happy and positive all the time. But really what normal is, is having a wide range of emotions. Most normal people are not happy all the time, despite what Instagram wants to show us. Yes, um, for sure. 
And sometimes the way to combat this, if you're finding that most of your anxiety or negative thoughts are coming from Instagram, is unplug for a little bit. I mean, I know that's an easier thing to say than do, but maybe like unfollow and then refollow or mute some people Mm -hmm. or just, you know, like just chill. Just take a day or take five days or take a month or take an hour if you need to go by baby steps, but unplug. And if any of my friends are listening, like, you know that I am now a social media manager, so I can, like, never fully unplug. But sometimes I don't check my phone for five whole hours, and I feel like a rebel. Um, That was the saddest sentence I think I've ever said. But if I can do it, you can do it. More love. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for Man. listening, guys. This was a good. Of course. I liked this episode. It felt like um, it felt like we were speaking the same positive, but not toxically so language. <laughs> uh, and yes, we'll we'll post this little infograph. I don't even know what to call it. It's like a T chart, but we'll post that on Instagram after the the episode goes up, so you guys can better understand. But yeah, toxic positivity is very trendy in like the mental health world right now. So if you're curious to learn more or how to combat it, absolutely. You can just Google toxic positivity and you'll have a minefield to go through. So <laughs> Get it? A minefield? <laughs> um Yeah, any lasting thoughts, Emily? Um, I think, we hit, we, I hit think we hit it all. And I think that you're fabulous and um, that's about I it. I think you're fabulous. Um, that's just normal positivity. That's not toxic. Not uh, toxic, no. Much love. <laughs> so for anyone who's listening that uh, wants to write in a little idea for any more episodes in season five, hit us up. We'll hit our email up, words are hard, at <laughs> pancreaspals123 at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and keep up with us being weirdos at pancreas underscore pals and on Facebook at pancreas pals PP. We are going to continue this amazing season and still so amped that Miriam is forever in my co-hosting chair. Same. Uh, you guys rock. Don't ever change. For all of you local to New York City pals that are listening, um, I highly recommend that you Go out and get your one-night New York City tickets. Um, That is a Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. I wouldn't necessarily call it a gala, and I wouldn't call it a ball, but it's more than a party. An event. An event. It is a party, Um, yeah. An open bar situation at Up and Down this year. Definitely get your tickets. Uh, We'll be posting more stuff about that later on. I'll be there. Hopefully Miriam will be there. My parents will be Mm -hmm. there. Um, Much love and fun times to be had by all. And let's please try and cure this this disease. Um, The goal, ironically, is to not have a podcast one day. (laughs) I know. I was just thinking that. If it's cured, will we have a podcast? I mean. Because then we can talk about, like, the PTSD of having a disease. Yeah, there's all... (laughs) We could just keep going forever. So forever. LOL. So true that we could literally just chat forever. So don't worry, guys. We'll still be here. Um, but, yeah, be sure to follow us and follow along and hit us up with any ideas. Slide into our DMs. And I'll stop talking. Everyone have a great All rest right. of your week. Bye, guys. Bye.